you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. I'm Mary Brown Maloof. I'm Glenn Warchel. I am Christy Marcy. And And we're Salt Lake Speaks. Hello again. Welcome to Salt Lake Speaks. It would be an understatement to say the city has been rocked by the surprise selection of four new homeless resource centers. Homeowners are enraged to learn they will have 150 homeless residents as neighbors. Mayor Biskupski's regime is in chaos with some city council members and Mayor Ben McAdams calling her competence into question. Opposite me is Chris Svensven. Svaven. Svaven. It's a tough one. Of Sugar House. (laughs) who has been turned into a neighborhood activist. Sugar Alice is dead against a homeless shelter for women and children on Simpson Avenue. Chris, how did you get involved in this? Um, I got involved because all of a sudden uh, news crews came and started knocking on my door and were asking me how I felt about a homeless shelter at the end of the street. Um, and at first I was you know, apprehensive, obviously, but I thought, well, maybe I'll look into this a little bit more um, because that's, that's obviously a scary proposition when you look at what's going on downtown. And the more that I looked, the worse it got. Um, I started just realizing they really don't know what they're doing. There is no real plan for this emergency shelter. There's no promise it's gonna be women and children. Um, the funding, just the price alone, when I got to that you know, $7 million, um, when honestly, for homeless outreach, every dollar is precious. I mean. This is a community that is growing in Salt Lake City that needs help. And just the idea that the mayor didn't even know they were spending $7 million on one site well, the, um, just well, concerned me, so I yeah, jumped in. And, and you have a family involved yeah. in this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. My 18-month-old son, um, you know, we bought the house just before he was born. My wife and I, you know, we invested our, our life savings into that house um, to try and, you know, pursue the American dream, you know, find a nice neighborhood. Uh, we pulled out of our retirement um, just to get the down payment to to start remodeling and live in a good area, you know? It was really uh, a big leap of faith for us to, to jump into what we thought was gonna be a great community in Sugar House, you know? Well, one thing that I'm curious about is that um, uh, the mayor's office in particular has sort of insinuated that this is nimbyism, yeah. know, not in my backyard. Yeah. Um, is there a lack of compassion in Sugar House for this situation? You know, I would say absolutely not. From what I've heard from all of my neighbors that were blindsided by this, you know, we're really open to helping. This is not NIMBYism. This is, you know, we've been coming up with solutions such as the city would propose, you know, our daycare that's at the end of the street, the city's going to be tearing down um, to build this. Um, Dancing Crane has been there for 18 years. One of our ideas was leave those businesses in place, leave that daycare that's so essential to the community, and put in something where there could be some affordable housing. Um, some market price housing, make it a mixed use development like it's designed for along the corridor. Um, and I have almost heard no opposition against that. And most people would be furious at the thought, oh, affordable housing at the end of my street. Most people I've talked to have been like, you know, that's something we could get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's that completely at all. It's that, you know, nowhere in the country is there a model for dropping an emergency shelter in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Well, it's unprecedented. It's well, just, let's, uh, what do you think has people in your neighborhood, your community, 
upset the most about it? The selection process or yeah. just the fact of a homeless shelter? Uh, the selection process, I mean, it just, there was no community input on the mayor's website. It says there were supposed to be council meetings, community input t talks about the sites. Um, I've been able to get meetings with a few of the council members. Um, they've admitted to me that the mayor didn't know the site's price. They didn't know there was a daycare there. They didn't know there were businesses there. This is beyond alarming for me that the people that are in charge of this don't know any of these things and they're claiming that they spent two years um, on site selection and, and, and making this a great idea and a, and a safe choice. You know, there's no, there's no model to fall, follow at all for, for, for what they're planning. Now, uh, I've been told by city officials and people from the mayor's office uh, that that they're, they're this that having public input would not have changed a thing. There would still be this uh, outcry that uh, that there's no way that neighborhoods would have accepted this had they had they had all this public input that has been asked yeah. for in transparency. Well, you know, I would say to that also of the four sites announced at the at the city council meeting. Hundreds of people showed up. I mean, the room was full. The overflow room was full. Out of everyone that spoke in that room, two people spoke out against something other than Simpson Ave. One person spoke about a different location, and one person spoke about homelessness in general. So I think they're getting an overwhelming majority of people upset about one side in particular. I think that's for a reason. It was by far the most poorly chosen. The other sites were not directly located next to residential housing. I mean, it's nothing but families there. And for the city to say an emergency shelter is appropriate for that is just bizarre, I think, to almost everyone that's, that's getting the facts on this, not just them saying, oh, this is NIMBYism. It's not. It's concern for the future of a neighborhood. Um, because who's to say in five years when funding runs out, it doesn't become a 300-bed shelter and the neighborhood doesn't just become a slum. You know, my kid is supposed to grow up in that. You know, and I get no say and no input. That seems completely un-American. Well, this neighborhood where this particular shelter is going is uh, um, mainly single family homes, built yep. houses. Yep, absolutely. The right. whole area around it is, is single family homes. It's nothing but families. Most of the families, the mom and dad both work, um, you know, which is why the daycare is so essential and needed because that's all that's around there. Um, right behind it, there's actually, I don't know why that isn't a red flag for the city, there's a huge abandoned office complex that um, Cowboy Partners was gonna come in and develop, um, you know, knock that down, put in a bunch of small businesses, put in high-end condos, put in luxuries, you know, affordable mixed use, supposedly. Um, the details on that, you know, that they're gonna go away. And they can't say that publicly, I'm sure, but the fact is the stigma of an emergency shelter scares families away and scares developers away. It just does, and the city didn't even seem to think about that. Well, um, they would appear that they thought about it. Uh, one of the things that's constantly brought up is that, like in the neighborhood where the YWCA mm -hmm. has a shelter or has yeah. a resource Absolutely. center, yeah. I've heard, that it's improved that. property yeah. values. You know, so why do you think your property values will be damaged? You know, when I looked into that, actually, because um, I heard that and I wanted to believe it. So I pulled uh, crime reports actually on our neighborhood. So 6th to 9th, 23rd, big, big huge area of our neighborhood. Um, and in, for instance, violent crime. Uh, there were 11 incidents over a three month period. Right around the YWCA in the same time period, there are 81 violent incidents where the police were called. Um, general just crime, but it was 
just dramatically more. We're talking hundreds compared to 40 in a larger area in Sugar House, right around their best case scenario, which is the YWCA, we're told. So when I'm looking at an 800% increase in violent crime as a best case scenario, and the fact that the police, I talked with Chief Brown, he says they can't arrest people. And he means it. If there's a junkie shooting up on my front door, the police really can't do anything about it. They can haul him away, but they can't even keep him in jail. Well, this is mostly because there is jail space. Exactly, which is, which is another huge problem. And it's another thing that supposedly will be fixed. It's another one of those uh, uh, undetermined thing out there. There's going to be a community uh, lockup. Uh, there's going to, these programs will work. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of variables that are still out there. Yeah. But just to get back to that, yeah. so you don't think your property values are going to... I, are I going think, to go up or I stay the same? The study that I saw also about the YWCA, if you looked at other areas near it, the property values did increase a lot more. Just because they went up near the YWCA, that was already a neighborhood that was very lowered, let's say we say. There was a lot of crime. Um, property values are very low. It's kind of not where we are. Everybody in our neighborhood is struggling to get by. Everybody's two or three paychecks from losing their house because they had to invest so much to buy there. So it's a completely different area of the city. It's not fair to compare the two in a lot of ways. It's just that area is really at a tipping point where it's hopefully going to get growth and development. And I believe that it will destroy the neighborhood if it's not run poorly. I firmly believe that. Well, how's, the, how's your community responding to this? Uh, People are panicked. They don't know what to do. I mean, because but, they feel like they've been told it's a dump. Oh, we're, we're definitely organizing. I mean, we've had meetings with hundreds of people. Um, I've gotten a private meeting with Mayor McAdams, who was one of the only people in the city that was willing to talk, that seemed rational, um, that seemed to have a little bit of an idea of what needed to happen. But, you know, Mayor Biskupski, I've reached out to everyone that I could. You know, David Litvak, chief of staff. Nobody wants to talk to me, really. Everybody wants me to just go away. And everyone else that's really organized. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to make our voices heard, but we're really being ignored. So the mayor hasn't, or no, her refuses. staff hasn't sat down with... Nope. Now, how many organizations are there right now in Sugar House that are in opposition to this? Or have you, you know, unified yet? We, we have kind of unified. It's hard also because I feel like our little core group that we started is a little more rational. It's more um, people that want to open a dialogue about this, mm -hmm. not have, shall we say, more extreme ideas. So it's hard to unify everyone because some people are calling for impeach the mayor and mm -hmm. picket in the streets. And some people are saying we need to open dialogue about this. But there's, I mean, there's Save Simpson, there's Transparency in Government. There's, there's probably six different groups um, that are hundreds of people. And we are combining everyone in a mass email list so we can really hopefully make our voices heard. Um, and we've kind of found leaders in every little group that we've been getting. We're actually having a meeting tonight um, about how to organize better and how to make sure that this just doesn't go away because that's what they want to do. Now, I understand that uh, some people have, have, are wondering why uh, options weren't chosen over the Simpson Avenue site. One, in, one is the old DI mm -hmm. that's on Highland. Um, did you get any feedback on why that was passed over? <sighs> yes, they, well, one of their excuses was uh, access to the liquor store. Um, which is funny to me because the Simpson site is a two train stops and a two minute walk from the liquor store. Um, <laughs> so I think that's kind of a weak excuse. Um, the other thing is behind closed doors, the big developers there said no. That's what word is. Um, that it's it all, you know, the driving force behind all of this is redeveloping downtown and getting the homeless out of there. And they're in a hurry to do it. So, you know, legislature is pushing, it's kind of a perfect storm. You know, they need to, they've got, Big companies like Vestar coming, 
hundred million dollars plus. You know, they need to clean out the downtown. They need to help the homeless. Legislature is saying this money is going to disappear, and they just made poor choices in a hurry. And now it's showing, and people are seeing the truth that this is a poorly planned, ill-advised idea. Um, can you give me any, some information, like where can people reach your group if they want to uh, get involved with it? Absolutely. No. Um, you know, there's a Save Simpson at Yahoo is one site. That's simple and easy to remember. Save Simpson at Yahoo. If you email them, you can get on our, our master email list. As far as that goes, it's just been, it's been crazy trying to get. It's kind of like herding cats when you have a neighborhood full of just extremely upset people. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've been, we've been making progress. Um, but, yeah, and honestly, what I really would advise people, if they believe in this and believe in the American dream, they should really contact the mayor's office um, and tell her how they feel. They feel that, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is they're trampling the American dream in my neighborhood. Now, well, did they, um, uh, do you think that the mayor's attempt at catch-up with these workshop meetings that they had printed up posters for they're, they're, and put staff up. They're insulting. You get there and it's a bunch of people, you know, write down an idea. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with input. It has to do with the illusion of input and trying to placate the public is what it really is. Um, because they've decided what they're doing, supposedly. Um, they're saying things, you know, we've been lied to from the beginning, saying that this is set in concrete and it's a done deal when the city actually could walk away from the Simpson site for $10,000. Um, so to think they're going to start listening to us now when all they've done is ignore and abuse the entire neighborhood, I don't, I don't believe it at all. I think the city needs to take a step back before I would believe a word they have to say. Uh, it sounds like you've uh, become a, citizen, um, a cynical citizen of Sugar House yeah. from, from chasing the American dream to... Uh, trying to defend your yeah. neighborhood. No, I feel that way. And I, I've, uh, I've already got the signatures and been uh, nominated. I'm going to be joining the Sugar House Community Council. I mean, I, I feel like we need to change something because this is unfair um, for us just to be forced to live with this. Um, it's just unfair. It's unfair to the homeless. It's unfair to everyone in the neighborhood. You know, they, these people, there's 1,200 to up to 2,000 homeless in the city in the summer. Um, the mayor is saying she's going to close down the road home as soon as these shelters are built. When there's room for 600, probably. You know, where are half the homeless people going to disappear in the next two years? You know, this is about more than, than my backyard. This is about helping the homeless and helping the city out because they need to find, in my opinion, new ideas to, to actually help the homeless because they're out there. Um, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico has a great program uh, for trying to help people get back integrated into society in a healthy way. Um, they have, they pay them $9 an hour, they go around beautifying the city, it can, from anything to picking up trash, to helping clean up, to helping out, all kinds of different ways. They've seen great success with that. They're guaranteed a safe place to sleep, a meal, you know, why are ideas like this that aren't, you know, $10 million not being discussed by anyone? I brought it up, no one has even heard of that. Um, you know, I think the city really needs to look at ways that are new and effective in helping the homeless. Um, Thanks, thanks yeah. for being with us, Chris. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. It's a huge issue, and um, I'm kind of uh, intrigued by how much, uh, how much residents have suddenly become activists when this happened. Uh, this is Glenn Warchell. You can find more Salt Lake Speaks podcasts at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcast. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Chris. Thank you.